Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Hello, it's Jason Lynch. This podcast is a general overview of things to know before and after the passing of your spouse. Here are some references that we'll link to in the show notes. Mike Piper, aka Oblivious Investor, wrote the book on this. Literally, he wrote a book called After the Death of Your Spouse. I recommend buying it now, reading it, and then keeping it with your most important papers so that both you and your spouse are aware of it and can refer to it when the time comes. While you're waiting for it to arrive, read Managing a Windfall from the Bulgoheads Wikipedia. An interesting book is called Widow by Lynn Kane, written back in 1974 after the death of her husband. It's not a financial book per se, but it's certainly worth reading. Rob Berger has The Blue Binder, which is a good step-by-step guide to get organized. Again, we'll link to these in the show notes. Reminder, this post does not contain any legal advice. Now, some important things to note to be aware of. Legal guardian of children, in the event you both pass together, figure that out now. Let your families know what you want in order to reduce disagreements and or battles during a very traumatic and stressful time. Get your wills created or better yet updated. It's far easier to update your will than to create the first time. Otherwise, you would have them already, right? Check beneficiaries on accounts especially your retirement accounts. Remember that named beneficiaries pass by law and they supersede whatever you put in a will. Type of ownership may also pass outside of the will, such as joint tenancy. Include contingent beneficiaries, especially on your retirement accounts. More on that later. Again, this is not legal advice. Most financial institutions have a survivor assistance department to provide guidance to help survivors navigate that institution procedures. So when you call the 800 number, they should direct you to their specific survivor department. Note that joint accounts can be accessed, but you'll need to transfer the assets eventually to your own account. Assets solely owned by the deceased will be frozen, of course. So having the password doesn't help. It doesn't matter. You will need certified copies of the death certificate. Now, after the death, consider Roth conversions in the year of death because the survivor will probably be filing as single the following year, or you may have a dependent child and otherwise are a qualifying surviving spouse, formerly known as a qualifying widow or widower. And what that means is you can continue to take advantage of the married filing joint tax brackets for two more years after the death. Okay, health savings account, HSA. This is an interesting account to say the least. For a married couple, this may be the most powerful account while both of you are still alive. Let me repeat that. The HSA may be the most powerful account while you're both still alive. The contributions are tax deductible. The balance grows tax-free and qualified distributions are tax-free as well. And the surviving spouse can inherit the HSA and use it as their own. The problem is for non-spousal beneficiaries. There's a comprehensive post from Michael Kitsey's blog, The Nerd's Eye View, that we'll link to in the show notes. The balance for the non-spousal survivor or beneficiary, the non-spousal beneficiary, is fully taxed in the year of death. 
The exception is that the beneficiary can use any portion of the balance to pay for outstanding medical expenses for the HSA account holder, outstanding unpaid expenses, but not previously unreimbursed medical expenses already paid for by the deceased. That is a very important distinction. Consider spending down your HSA after the death of your spouse. Earlier, I mentioned Roth conversions are a good idea in the year of passing, and qualified HSA distributions are a very good source of tax-free funds to pay those taxes. Remember that most Medicare-related expenses, including premiums, are qualified HSA expenses. So if you've both been on Medicare for 10 years, that's probably 50 grand worth of reimbursable expenses. Note that Medigap premiums, Medigap, are not, are not qualified medical expenses for HSA distributions, but Medicare Advantage, doctor copays, any prescription out of pocket, dental, audio, hearing aids, vision, dentists, all that are qualified. You may consider naming a beneficiary for part or all of your HSA while you're the surviving spouse because other assets may qualify for a step up in basis and are far better for your beneficiaries. Consider portability. Filing an estate tax return for the deceased, consider disclaimers. And this is what I referred to earlier. Be sure to name your contingent beneficiaries correctly. Note that these last two items should definitely be discussed with a qualified attorney since you need legal advice and we are not qualified to give legal advice. We all die eventually, so take the time to make it a little bit easier on those left behind. And finally, think about spending your assets to make your life easier and or more meaningful, whatever that means to you. Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered. 